been an interesting week online, to say the <laughs> least. It has been a very interesting week online. Yeah. Like, just the, all kinds of For fun. me, the whole the whole trad vein thing has been uh, God, uh, interesting. <laughs> you you would think that Aaron, that Aaron is like public enemy number one right now in the trad community. Either really... he's, public, he's either public enemy number one or he's like Superman for, right. and like there is no in between. There, yeah, it, really that's enjoy. exactly it. And I mean, yeah, I really enjoy I, that he's just trolling people at this point. He's like, yeah, you know oh, what? that's great. Fuck it. I know. Honestly, I think I can't 100% tell if it's like the thing with Gateway and him back and forth. I, at this point, I can't tell if it's if it's just good natured ribbing. Like I messaged uh, Gateway the other day on Instagram and they're like, you know, they pretty much said it's all in good fun. But no, I'm sure. I, and I think it is, but it's it's kind of hard to tell right now. <laughs> it's like they're really <laughs> <Yeah>. getting after <laughs> it. <laughs> well, what I've seen a lot of guys mention is the like uh, the old boning veins, the yeah. the, the, the old boning trad veins. And granted, I haven't got my hands on them yet because I ordered the three inch and didn't know they were going to be back ordered for the next two years. Yeah. Uh, I have them. Maybe... I don't even have anything to put them on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think those boning veins are like, I don't think they were nearly as soft as what these are no. from what it sounds like. Garrett, have I you taken them out of the box? I had those yeah. in my shop that I used to work in and they were not, they were like more like a papery feel. It wasn't really a, mm. uh, the trad veins are super pliable. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. 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 Do you you've Do you have any Blaine or did you order the three inch too? I honestly I haven't ordered any of them yet just because you're I, so oh. fired, dude. I you mean, are so you're fired. The, you're the trad I, guy. I know, but I'm not sure I it was more of uh I will order the three inch, but I, I just wasn't sure if I should order now or wait until they come in stock. Because when they come in stock they'll oh. probably be gone quick, won't they? Yeah, probably. I should probably just Put in a How's that hot hand. pink look, Garrett? Do they look good? Yeah, they look pretty sweet. Yeah, uh, See, it's not like super. It's not super bright, but it's. Is it, I mean, it's pink. Is it the same as the regular A, like whatever? Not as bright because it's a thinner material. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. See, I when I shot a compound, it's, it's more pink. like it's more of like a translucent pink. Okay. Cool. Mm. See, I'm gonna. I'm a yellow guy. Like all yes. my feathers now are yellow. yellow. Man, I I was a yellow guy everything. until I started shooting trad, and I airmailed a couple, and then couldn't find them amidst the green and yellow leaves on the ground. Mm-hmm. So for me, yellow. I am yellow now I am now a pink guy. Yes, I've I've done both. It's kind of it's kind of one or the other for me, but I I really like how the yellow looks. I mean, I don't know why. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm either white or yellow. Yeah, white is good too. Yeah, well, like, you're colorblind, so it doesn't matter anyway. I know. <laughs> white is wonderful until you realize it's that snow. you live in Wisconsin and half of your hunting <laughs> season is snow. Snow. And you're I, like, wait a minute. Year. Now, now I can't find anything. Rob, last isn't year, uh, oh, go ahead. Isn't pink one of those colors that like red green colorblind people can pick out easier or no? Uh yeah, pink. I can I can pick out fairly well. Yeah. Um, I just haven't used it. It's, yeah. I I like yellow. Yeah. That's, I just uh, use pink because I can find it usually. Yeah. Yep. Um, That's why I'm switching to it. Yeah. Last year I I hunted up until about November with white veins, four fletch, 
yeah. A and A cuts that I made, and then I literally switched as soon as I thought, "Oh shit, it's gonna snow," <laughs> and I instantly switched <laughs> over to pink, and I'm like, "Okay, now I can see my arrows." You I didn't have like, snow in not, November. Not... What's that? Yeah, it's like you, you didn't have snow in November. We had snow. Well, it like, snowed by the end of October. Yeah, I take that back. It probably was the end of October. <laughs> but, I mean, I it, there was snow on the ground, and that's when I realized, that's what I'm trying to say, I realized I needed yeah, I something gotcha. different than white, you know. Not to get but, too off topic, but, Blaine, didn't last year you you had a deer that looked up at you, and you genuinely... Yeah. Uh, you genuinely thought it might have, like, he might have picked you out because your feathers were white in yes. an otherwise not white environment. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, because I, I had some good discussions off that one. Yeah. I, I remember some, some good discussions spawning off that. Yeah, and I don't know if you ever have, like, come to a conclusion on that or honestly, not. Honestly, I think it was just the tree I was in in that specific spot. It was just, I just didn't have enough cover in front of me. That's fair. Um, I had, had really good back cover, but it was just the deer coming from the my right especially could see like i had i was in like a like uh i had good cover all around me except for kind of in front of me and to my right and i think you know i just stood out when they came in from the right which is where most of them were coming from and it was i think that had more to do with it than the white feathers because you know yeah probably it's just Probably more silhouetted yourself somehow than yeah. Yep, that's exactly it. Man, I've seen the. Oh, I can't remember. We're already getting off topic. I'm (laughs) bad at this. There is there's some camo company. I think they're based out of Texas, where they incorporate like a ton of white or like skyline color into their camo. Uh, And like when you look at it, like if they're on the ground, it looks really weird. But if you look at it at an upward angle, like into a tree stand, it's like it's really good. Hmm. Uh, and I know the whole point of I don't. We need to have a camo specialist on is what we need. But I know Definitely. the whole point of camo is to like break up, not blend in. We need to have John Barklow yeah. from Sitka on. John Barklow, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah, yeah. Just get on a guy from Sitka. I'll or just call wherever. him. I'll text him tomorrow. John uh, I do know somebody that has his phone number. I'm just saying. oh, all right. Well, fine. <laughs> oh, I'm Garrett. I live the Pacific Northwest, where all the cool camo is. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, but I can't remember for the life of me the name of this camo. I'll try is and it, find it and put it in the show not, notes. Not Predator. No, it's not Predator. Is it? Wasn't there Skyline? Wasn't that a brand Skyline? Mm-hmm. No, Back it wasn't. It wasn't that. That might have okay. been a brand, but it wasn't that. Anyway, like it, it, it looked. It was very fascinating to me. And the only reason I even like remembered like bringing that up is because a long time ago, a guy was trying to trade me a, a snow pattern uh, E35. And if, spoiler alert: if you want anything, if you want a cheap bow, like find a, a snow pattern bow, and I guarantee it's it's a hundred dollars less than any other bow than no than that bow in another camo no doubt. either and it, it's you funny find them or you just don't find them at all yeah exactly when they discontinued that color they lost pretty much all sales at our local stores really oh, I believe that that was well, our hottest yeah, color that would make sense that yeah, was our that hottest sense. color everyone wanted snow camo yeah and they discontinued talking... it and everyone yeah. went well i'm not buying that anymore 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yep. oh, wow. Okay. But I remember, uh-huh. I remember I mean, that, that guy, because I, 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 this guy was like trying to trade me this bow. I was like, man, I don't want a snow camo bow. Like, <laughs> don't, don't point that garbage at me. Honestly. And he was like, I, he was I like, dude, it. like, look, like, yeah look at pictures of those snow camo bows hanging up like in the summer and they just like disappear. It's mm-hmm. crazy. It's crazy how they break up the skyline. What yeah. were you saying, Garrett? Uh, I hunt in the end of August and September or early September through mid September. And I'd still shoot a snow camo bow. Oh, yeah. yeah. What I mean I is we don't have snow and I'd still shoot one. Right. If I get picked off because of my bow, I messed up somewhere else. Yeah. It yeah, looks so true. good too. Yeah, I, I like it. I don't know why people piss and moan about it. Uh, yeah. I had two, two Probably because like those that same people can't though. find a deer to shoot to save their life, but whatever. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the Well, I guess fault. we could technically. Yeah, that's right. You're damn right. <laughs> <laughs> I got picked out because of my bow. Uh, I guess we could consider that our first myth in our uh, archery myths episode. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be called a part one or not. Uh, I'm sure we're going to talk more about other myths that come up. Uh, but tonight we're going to have a quick session, even though we're like 10 minutes in already on uh, some archery myths or stuff that you see a lot of guys talking about or mentioning and, uh, you know, on forums or Facebook or, you know, in person. Uh, and we, we've written down a couple things that we wanted to touch base on. Uh, we aren't going to spend like a ton of time on all of them. And some of these are probably going to end up getting their own episode. Uh, but we wanted to uh go over a, a couple of things that most definitely are taken out of context and how do i say this just more they're more like wives tales than anything it's just weird oh man i just thought of another one okay we're gonna i'm gonna put it on the, to the our, word the you're looking one. for matt is wrong they're just wrong <laughs> wrong uh that was my donald trump impression uh it was it was bad (laughs) um so let's kick it off with uh a term that just grinds my gears and especially drives evan absolutely bananas uh love you evan uh is if you were going to get a bow super tuned (laughs) uh super tuned this kind of goes more for the compound guys uh, but, uh, Rob, you're our, uh, you're resident, super resident tuner. compound super tuner. Uh, <laughs> so how, how about, how about you kind of touch on this one a little bit? Okay. So, and, well, I mean, I'm going to jump in all the time, but you yeah, can, yeah, you can kind of yeah. kick it off if you want. So there's a couple of parts to this. Jeez. Yeah, dude. Rob, because... you think Rob isn't prepared? <laughs> Shit, dude. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like starting this podcast, just freaking winging everything. And Rob's <laughs> like, oh, let me come up with these four pages of notes for this one hour show. I'm like, My God, dude, I've written down like three pages the entire time we've been. I have on notes for everything. Like, oh. I got to stay organized somehow. I got too much stuff going on. <laughs> you have lost. I Sorry, usually say things and then Rob has to make it sound normal. It's got to translate through, translate the Garrett out of it. Oh, that's, I have a lot of practice with that because I work with a lot of people through Eric Newman and okay. I have to translate <laughs> poor, poor Eric. Lo- lo- love you, Eric. You, you know that I'm your translator. I'm going to, Eric's going to give me so much shit for this, but I, <laughs> I, I genuinely feel like we should use some of the uh, funds from the ad revenue to get Eric hooked on phonics. That, 
No, he just needs a better spell check on his iPhone. Yeah, he just talked into it. That's how my parents are. He's typing while he's driving and... Yeah. (laughs) That's like me some days. It's, you know... My boss is that way too, though. He's, like, said no to spell check so many times that it just gave up. It's like, (laughs) all right, well... Okay, okay. so... You're on your own, buddy. If we want this to be an hour long... I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Instead Um, of three hours. So, super to it. Um, a couple of parts to this. The, the first one is that in tune is in tune. That, that's it. A bow is a machine. If it's set up properly, then it's set up properly. There's no other way to put it. There's no magic. There's no like super like unique special thing that this one person does other than potentially a better attention to detail. Um, Because tuning really comes down to your ATA, your axle-to-axle, your brace height, your poundage, measured draw length, having each of those set and all together, because if you have one and then you change something to get the other one in line, it potentially can change the first thing you check. So it's a check, do, repeat. Um. Your cam lean, having your rest centered and level, and that's essentially the core of being tuned. And that's measured center for the rest, and from there you have to start doing functional. Um, so if if you're just shooting a fletched arrow through paper, that is the simplest check. Right, and that can be point. hiding a lot. What was that, Matt? So that's your starting point. Yeah, that's it's it's of the simplest method of checking to see if your flight is clean because that's the goal of tuning a bow is to get clean flight. Clean flight, yeah. And the the more ad- advantages that you take away from the arrow, the higher level, the more precise. The tune can be so if you go from fletched in paper to doing uh like a walk back to doing broadhead tuning or to bear shaft each of those has different challenges that it's overcoming and like bear shaft is essentially the highest level you can do because there is zero correction um So depending on how detailed you want to get, you can get closer to true perfect. But it's really, if it's, if it's set up properly, then it's set up, you know? So the thing that you want to watch for and that we'll discuss more when we do our tuning episode is making sure that you or whoever is working on your bow is just knowledgeable on how a bow works and how an arrow actually reacts out of a bow. Uh, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of what I want to, I don't know if warn people is the right word because I'm not, I don't think there are definitely guys out there that I would trust more than others. Rob being one of them to send my bow to like, for instance, when I had that DEF CON, it was just giving me fits and I was ready to ship Rob 
by Bo to have him figure it out. But then I ended up figuring it out. Uh, but if someone says, oh, like, send me your bow and I'll super tune it for 150 or 200 bucks or whatever, like there don't do that. there is there, there is no super tune. And I would just say to be weary of that, because even after they quote unquote tune it, they're, they're going to do one of two things. One, they're going to tune it to themselves or like to take out cam lean and stuff like that. Uh, or they're going to tune it to a machine, uh, to a shooting machine. And Garrett and I, uh, well, I have shorter draw length than all of you, but if me and another guy have the exact same draw length, uh, you may have to adjust the cams just a little bit differently based on grip position and torque. Uh, and so if now you can have like you, you could hypothetically could most definitely have a bow that two guys shoot identically. Uh, that's, it's certainly possible. Well, it happened to Rob and yeah. the guy you built, you built that bow for the, not too long if, ago. If you have a textbook grip and you're not applying face pressure to the string, mm-hmm. then you really can hand off a bow. Um, it's when you start adding in little tiny poor habits. Um, right. That things start getting wonky. But to your point about necessarily needing to adjust cam lean and stuff, that's at least for me, your cam lean, whether it's yokes or shims or however you're adjusting it, is your mass adjustment. Yes. If if you need to make a mass adjustment because of your grip or something that you're doing, normally it's a grip issue, then there's probably a bigger problem. Um, most of the time, like the guys that I tune bows for that are shipping them to me, typically it's a matter of moving the rest like a 30-second. And that's, I mean, I'm very upfront about that, that, you know, the preferred method is for you to shoot it before it leaves the shop. And we fine tune Right. If you're shipping a bow to me, you're accepting that this is going to be in spec. It will be shooting a bear shaft. If that's what you're paying for is bear shaft tuning. Um, and when you get it, there might be some fine tuning. Um, you'll want to verify that bear shaft and fine tune to your grip or to whatever your little nuances are. Um, but that should be a fine tune, not a, a mass adjustment. Um, I mean, unless there's, like I was saying, larger underlying problems, which may or may not you know, the, the person may or may not want to address. So, um, but just for reference, cause I mean, I know that I see guys on Facebook that are charging north of $150 to, to set up bows. Like it's, I have three different levels. I have just the factory tune, which is going to be essentially getting all your, your mass adjustments done. Um, and so like the majority of your press work, Mm -hmm. um, 
that's 60 bucks. If you want me to do like a fletched walk back and kind of fine tune the rest in in that manner, then that's 75. If you want a bear shaft, then it's 90. And that's, you know, just there's extra time involved. Right. But all of those have the, the statement of if you're shipping this to me, it's it's going to be in spec. It's going to be tuned. But depending on your own form, there may be slight changes needed. Right. That's it. Ha- you have to understand that part. Yeah. So I'm, I'm certainly not uh, I'm not saying that you shouldn't pay, you know, shouldn't pay money to have somebody tune your bow. I mean, there's definitely. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, you know, this is a it's a it, it's something that, you know, someone has dedicated times toward dedicated time towards learning this trade uh, in bow tuning. So I'm, I'm certainly not saying, you know, you shouldn't pay any money to have somebody tune your bow for you. But uh, just, just be, be weary. And especially we're, we're going to touch on this more in the bow tuning in the compound tuning episode, particularly. Uh, but just, uh, be, be aware of the kind of changes they're making on your bow, because if they, if you buy a bow, they slap a rest on. And if they basically make all the adjustments by just scooting your rest all over the place, like, start asking questions like start you know ask them uh, you know <clears throat> m- make sure the timing's on make sure your cam lean looks fine whether it's you know for yoke tuning or shimming or all that so just uh, uh just just be be aware um like i said we'll, we'll touch more on this in the in the compound tuning episode but yeah. uh, the one thing i would point out is a lot of the guys when we when we say super tune really what it's boiling down to is if you're going to somebody understand what they're actually offering, like what actual services, what are they actually doing to the bow? And I guess, uh, make sure that that aligns with whatever fancy words that they're using to describe what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the you hard know, part. It's like, the, it's the marketing knowing, sales pitch right, with, the you hard. know, unique fancy words that make it sound like they're doing something that no one else can. Right. right. That's hard normally a little for, bit of a, like <laughs> the hard part for guys that don't know any better is just knowing that they are getting what they're supposedly paying for. Yeah. But right. And, you know, there that comes down to the ethics of the person doing the tuning and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So, yeah. And it, once I mean, hopefully no one would ever. Well, I know people that well, I know people do do this, uh, but the two things that you can certainly check before you walk out the door is the axle axle measurement and the brace height measurement compared to what is considered spec. And if either of those are within, if they're more than an eighth out of spec, uh, if they're somewhere between a quarter and an eighth, you're probably going to have, like, they're probably going to tell you, like, to kick rocks, I would guess. Uh, um, but if it's more than a quarter out of spec, I would I would personally throw a fit. Yeah, I mean, uh, most, that's, that's just, that's not acceptable. Most if, manufacturers if, state plus or minus an eighth. Right, right. So, so yeah, if it's, it, it, you know, if it, they're, they'll probably, it's, you know, uh, 
you know, uh, uh, barely under a quarter inch. They might, you know, they might throw a fit about it, but I, I would, I would be, uh, irate if I had a bow tuned, if I paid money to have a bow tuned and then I checked the brace height or the axle axle rating and it was out of spec because that's just not acceptable. That's not how that, that machine is supposed to operate. So end of of story. Really all your, I mean, with all this, you're just, are you, if you're not in spec or not where you, where it should be, you're just losing the efficiency of your bow. So yeah, you're, you're not you're maximizing feel, efficiency. You're changing sound levels. You're, you know, there's all little things. Well, yeah. That, like you said, though, it's, it's a machine. So if it's not running at optimum levels, then your machine's whack. Well, yep. yeah, things are going to wear faster than they should or be louder than they should or, yeah. you know, have flight problems or whatever the case is. Or you're yeah. not going to like the bow that you shot in the shop yeah. originally because it yeah. doesn't feel like the same bow. Yeah. But yeah, I've shot a I've shot a bow that's uh, that was, you know, within spec on brace height and, you know, drew it back, shot it. Vibration was fine the feel of the draw was was fine with something i liked and then i shot i don't know if it was the exact same bow but i shot another bow there that somebody must have had messed around or worked on or whatever i was like man this thing doesn't feel right and i checked the actual axle and brace height they were both off by like almost a half inch like it was way out yeah way out of spec and I was like, oh, that's why this doesn't feel right at all <laughs> because it was supposedly like no it should same 7028. Uh, and I was like, man, this is something doesn't feel right. And then check that. And I was like, oh, well, that's why. So, yeah, definitely keep an eye on that. Um, our next myth that we probably see, I probably see more than anything, uh, it has a lot to do with tuning, has everything to do with tuning, is the uh, flies like a field point um, statement that a lot of broadhead manufacturers along with people that are shooting fixed blades make uh about broadheads when they're when they're discussing their flight potential oh or Um, even people saying that fixed blades can't fly like a field point yeah yeah yeah. it it was yeah absolutely this is big for trad too so yeah because basically everyone trad shoots fixed blades yeah literally everybody should um yeah, so <clears throat> I've had so many people tell me that, you know, a lot of compound guys mostly, but, and nothing against them, Those compound yeah, guys. Yeah, stinking compound guys. Shooting too no. fast, usually, but continue. Yeah, exactly. That's Either exactly what it is. They're shooting too fast, you know, it's really hard to get, yeah, it's really hard to get decent flight. It's actually, I'd say it's impossible to get decent flight over 300 with a fixed blade. I would if, yeah, if it's I was very pretty. It, it's tough. It's it's tough. It's dang near impossible. Somewhere in that two two eighty range, and and you know down to say two sixty if you're shooting super heavy arrow, um, that's a lot more manageable. You know, it's just not going as fast. So it's it's yeah. It's, There's less it's, wind shear on the blades. Yeah, yeah. you know, and it's it's in flight longer. It's it's on the string longer. All those things. Well, just like. You know, just like a poor tune, like you can have a perfect tune with a fixed blade, but if you're shooting, even if you're shooting super fast, but 
just like a fixed blade magnifies tuning issues, it magnifies shooter issues too. Exactly. You have a little flinch. It's not forgiving at all, especially at the faster speeds. And yeah, yeah, especially at faster speeds, and especially if your tune is not perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I wish. uh, I wish I had for the life me. I'd taken a picture of it, and I don't. I don't know why I didn't. I don't know if my like phone was dead or whatever, (laughs) but like I will never forget the day when I had. Like, just for giggles, I, I was shooting broadheads. I was getting ready for, was it turkey season? No, it couldn't have been turkey season. It must have been deer season. And I shot a Maasai, a Samurai, a Silver Flame, and what else did I have? I think I had a 200 grain VPA at the time. And I shot all of those out of a compound at 80 yards and grouped them in, like, it was probably a little bit bigger than a softball. Yeah. And like they were right, like oh, and a field tip, because I mm-hmm. I, I was like oh well, yeah, it can be done. Like oh yeah, oh that, can be done. that's like the test that I did like three years ago, where I took some of the I guess better known names in the the standard industry, and took a handful of different two blades, and shot them all at eighty yards like 20 shots a piece and looked at average group size. Mm-hmm. And it was yep. like, okay. So everyone says that one fixed blades can't group, you know, can't fly. You have to sight into them and yep. adjust to the broadhead. And I went, okay, so I made no adjustments. I didn't change my sight. I didn't change anything except screw on a different broadhead. And, that's between like 10 different heads. I had like a half inch variation at 80 yards. Yeah. And it's like, and that's to me, that flies like a field point. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There is some I, yeah, variation that's, there. That's shooter. But, I would say it's probably shooter error more than anything. Yeah. yeah you had a, or, you, you know, shot those out up, of a hooter shooter, then it, they'd be yeah. stacked. Yeah, there yeah, would I be mean, no difference. But saying, it's like, yeah, you know, from a from a true physics standpoint, yes, a broadhead will have different flight characteristics than a field point, mm-hmm. right? It has to. And but they're at also longer range. Yes, it will not have same point of impact at some range because of the additional drag. Yeah, mm-hmm. and a lot of that has to do with your speed, too. Yeah, it does. Well, it's speed and, and weight. I mean, the heavier the arrow is, right. the more that it's going to hold whatever speed yep. it has and ignore yep. the, you know, uh, overcome the resistances in play. Right. Um, I was so it's kind of a my, double-edged there, but... I was shooting my setup last year clear to 100, and I, like, I could group them just as, like, as good as I could shoot, they were yeah. shooting broadheads Normally, and field points together. Right. In the testing that I've done, normally, depending on the broadhead, somewhere between 90 and 110, um, you start seeing that the broadhead group hits a little low. Right, but it's not, like, um, it's negligible. It, it, yeah, and that's like, you know, something excessive like a double XL, which is which is vented, two inches wide, and it's vented. Yeah. yeah. Um, those... Well, like something like that will definitely have a larger difference at, say, 100 yards than, uh, 
like a Valkyrie or right. like a, a non-vented, you know, one inch Masai wide or... head, right? Or Masai or samurai or cutthroat, whoever. Just, yeah, just because you're you're cutting because out it, that wind resistance. Yeah, you you have less, less wind shear, less drag, yep. and so there's going to be less variation. Mm-hmm. But right. that doesn't mean that it's not consistent, that it's not accurate. Right. Exactly. It's, like. I mean, I've had, I've had so many guys say, and it, I guess half of this kind of has goes towards a trad tuning thing or tuning in general. But that's well, I think that's totally fair. It's a hundred percent fair, and oh, that just yeah. goes to show that when you slow the arrow down, like that you're when you slow the arrow down, whether by you know a quote unquote slower bow uh, or increasing mass, like there is like there there's less resistance to be had. Mm-hmm because it's it's mm-hmm. easier it's it's an easier recovering or it's a eh, i don't know how i want to describe that you know what i mean uh there's less drag and so there's less change mm-hmm. right it's a smooth um, airflow versus a disrupted airflow is how i would describe it i guess yeah at a certain point you know um, um the, the one thing that i would point out and this like has been mentioned will tie heavily into the tuning conversation that will be had at a later date. Um, but for the guys that think you have to sight into a fixed blade, a fixed blade head is essentially going to tell you what your bear shaft would be doing if you bear shafted. Yep. Because mm-hmm. if, so I'm just going to kind of just quick rock through this here. If you're, broadhead is impacting high then your bear shaft would be knock low if your broadhead is low it's the same as a knock high bear shaft if it's right your knock is to the left if the broadhead is to the left your knock is to the right and that's not saying that you need to change your sight that's telling you that there's a tuning problem yep or that's a form telling problem. you oh or a form problem it could be a torque or something else causing that that arrow to come out not in line with itself. And yep. but number number three in this list of long story short issues with fixed blades is uh spine issue. Those are the only three things. Yep. We just said them all. Spine issue, yeah. form issue, or tune issue. That's it. Which I mean, to me spine plays into tune. Right. Yes. But like <laughs> Yeah, no, I get your point. Those are the it's, only three things that cause if if your shaft flight. is reacting properly at launch and the bow is tuned and is pushing the knock behind the the mass at the point, then that broadhead should hit where you're you're putting it. Right. I mean that's really what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I see a lot of these guys that are like, oh, you know, kind of what Rob was saying earlier, you know, with uh, Valkyrie versus, and, and I'm just, I'm staying Valkyrie because it's a smaller cut in diameter, uh, versus, you know, like an XXL or, uh, a, a larger, what's the, is it the tree shark? The one that's yeah. just freaking huge from Simmons. I think mm-hmm. so. Uh, uh, either tree shark or tiger shark. Can't remember one of the two. They've tree got lots shark. of sharks over there. Yeah. Uh, um, the, uh, 
the smaller, like the profile of the blades, typically the more often you'll see people say, yeah, this broadhead flies just like a field point. And it's because there's no additional resistance. And if you, uh, you know, if you're, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not like hundred percent sticking to this, even though I'm about to give this advice. If you are a shooter that has, that hasn't worked out all the kinks in your form yet, then maybe shooting a smaller cutting diameter broadhead is going to be, or, you know, something without a, a big profile is going to be best for you. Right. Uh, It'll um, make your life easier. That's for sure. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it certainly can. And it's something that, you know, uh, Aaron uh, uh, Snyder has brought up and even Tim Gillingham has, has brought up that I agree with. Like a lot of shooters uh, are not on the level to be shooting like big honking fixed blades uh, um, and expect to have good results while they're hunting. Right. Uh, and, and I would certainly encourage people just to try and get their, uh, um, you know, their heart rate up just to see, see how you're going to shoot that that big old fixed blade, you know, a wide cutting fixed blade when you're, uh, when you're shaking a little bit. And if you can hold it together, then by all means go for it. But that's why you'll see a lot of these guys that only say, you know, these tooth of the arrow and slick tricks and stuff like that, uh, quote unquote flies like a field point when in all reality, it's just got a, a slightly better, what would you call it? Like a, an aerodynamic profile, yeah. I guess for, yeah. uh, for wind resistance. So but yeah, but if you, if you tune, tune your arrow, tune your bow, and uh, typically have good front and center, which we'll talk about later uh, in another episode. Um, you can get any well-made broadhead to quote unquote fly like a field point. Yep. I mean, so there's that for me as a trad guy, if I have a perfect bear shaft tune and everything is right. Yep. My release is, you know, my release hand isn't flying all over the place, <coughs> which I've got that down pretty good, you know, but, um, the, I, I can literally group, I see zero variation between really any of the broadheads I shoot, Yep. you know, out and, to and you'll, as far as I can shoot. Yep. Like, and you'll see trad guys say that a lot. Yeah. It's the, yeah, I, I bear shaft tune my bow and then I just like screw on my broadhead and I go hunting and it's like, literally well, duh, because you bear shaft tune your bow and that's yeah. how it works. And I've uh, had so, so many guys it, to ask me, how in the heck can you? Like you can't tune a trad bow, like compound guys. I've had a, I've had three different guys, and I, I've had them compound guys. I tell you, they're no, something. Well, else. I mean, I'm, I mean, nothing against them. It's just that's, that's what they shot. Compound, I'm always so. gonna give you shit for that blade. Yeah, I know, right? but, but there's no cables. There's no like, what? How are you? It's yeah, way easier. Yeah. God, so, I, I mean, got into trad thinking the tuning was gonna be easier. I was an idiot. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean stupid. It, it's stupid, it's, Matt. It's it's different. I don't. Yeah, I think. Well, with my one I, piece recurve, okay. it was super easy to yeah. tune it properly. Yeah, like it I did mean, not take me long to get good bear shaft flight. No, yeah. I keep it simple. I just bear shaft it. I start out with a spine that's I think is going to be a little weak, and then if, trim and tune, baby. You know, I mean, if if it's I, that's what I'm looking for is a little bit weak and then I can trim it up an eighth of an inch at a time and until I get perfect flight and dial it in. That's literally it. I fletch it up, screw on broadheads and I'm good to go. And it's so far it's worked perfectly. I have not had any issues doing that ever. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've literally had to send videos to every, every guy and they're usually 
kind of those guys that think they're the bomb.com and they're kind of the internet That's me. keyboard warrior type people. You don't have the, the whisper, Blaine. This is a safe space. Okay, this is a safe <laughs> space. And uh, I'm not going to name names, but they're they're pretty, yeah. you know, semi-well-known on Facebook. But uh, and, and I've had to send them videos of my Aeroflight. Like, okay, perfect Aeroflight. What do, I mean, okay, here it is, you know. Yeah. This is off a one-piece longbow with a big 300-grain two- or three-blade broadhead, and it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of speed with our last one, you know, like we were talking about how the faster it goes, you typically have uh, it, it's it's a, it can be a little more difficult to tune. Um, is anyone aware of any bows and or crossbows that are shooting uh, over a thousand feet per second? No, nope. anyone make one yet? No, no. Fresh out of those. No, oh, maybe one of those air, the air bows. Oh, the cro- uh, does it Crossman make yeah, it? Yeah, Crossman makes one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just like well, a those things in <laughs> until Crossman you get a bow that shoots approximately. Thanks to Rob for the math, one thousand one hundred and twenty-five point three three feet per second. You will never be faster than the speed of sound. So therefore, so you mean my three hundred three hundred foot per second arrow can't beat. An animal's reaction. What? That is exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> the, and the, the myth that, of string jump. The guys that think that have never, uh, clearly never stood downrange, like off to the side while somebody shoots, or just at a 3D oh, yeah. shoot, being a target behind or a target ahead, and hearing people's arrows go through the woods. <laughs> yeah. like, there is shit. a noise, and you like if you're close, I flinch. You know. Like mm-hmm. I'm, if the the targets are close together from where you pull, to where you shoot the next one, like sometimes it's like, ooh, oh, oh, okay, it's still kind of far away. All right, we're okay. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's you hear yeah. it. it. It's an yeah. unnerving sound when you know. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like oh, oh yeah. boy. Yeah, it's definitely not a natural noise in the woods. I don't think. Uh, most definitely not. <laughs> something <laughs> totally, that uh, I totally understand something... why deer move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something that Rob kind of touched on here uh, in in his copious amounts of notes. Uh, <laughs> it is, was is like the, thirty is... minutes. I took my lunch <laughs> break and I typed this up. Come on. Uh, so and you uh, had to read a book I, today to prepare for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we all had to. We all had homework. Um, I can do uh, this every time if you want me to. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be helpful. Uh, so okay. So so the myth is is string jumping, and that you need a faster arrow to beat the string jump to beat the animal that is going to jump the string. Uh, and all the people that are like, oh, like aim at the bottom of the like bottom of the chest, like right at the belly. So when they duck, then you'll hit the heart. Like shut up, don't do that. Uh, I'm not saying aim where don't you aim for it. the bottom third. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a bottom third kind of guy, or I guess top of the bottom third uh, is normally where, where I'm trying to put it. But anyway, um, so you won't beat the speed of sound. And I, something I see a lot of people toss around is, well, there's no, there's two sides to this argument that I see all the time. One is saying, uh, 
you need to go as fast as possible uh, to beat to beat the string jump. And the other is on the complete other side that says it doesn't matter how slow you go uh, uh, in within reason. They can't beat a moving arrow because of gravity and how quickly their body can fall, quote unquote. Uh, so I think I, I think that there's that both of those are being taken completely out of context. Uh, but the one that I can speak of that I've been preaching for as loud as I can or as long as I can think of is the whole, uh, well, it, it doesn't matter because they they can't get out of the way fast enough. Well, that's a lie. Uh, they certainly can because they use their muscles to drop faster than gravity would allow in just a straight free fall. Yeah, they pull so, themselves down to preload and then yep, to Yeah, to bolt out of there for sure. So anyone, anyone that is even on that side of the argument, which like technically I guess I support, like, you know, shoot slower arrows, uh, is, is, is also wrong. They can certainly get out of the way, but the big, the big factor here I think is noise and, and the tone of the sound, uh, that that Rob Rob noted on. I, I would say that the biggest factor is the attitude of the animal. Um, sure. Yeah. W- what their their state of mind is at that point in time, because so you're saying that I shouldn't whistle at them to get them to stop. I wouldn't. That's I like I don't even like the like grunt to get them to stop. Um, like, and I guess part of that might be because I'm the ranges that I'm hunting at in Wisconsin is typically under 30 to 35 more than likely it's probably sub 20 and it's I don't want to put that animal on edge I'm confident enough in my shot that if it's slowly leisurely walking I'll take that shot I'm not concerned about that um so I don't feel a need to try and stop them in their tracks and have, you know, seconds to settle. And like, I'm comfortable shooting a slow moving target. But if, if you have an animal that is relaxed and is not on edge, not alert, typically that first noise, whether you whistle or you grunt or, or some other natural predator makes a noise. That animal is going to go from relaxed to tense and alert and, and assessing the situation, right? Yep. And I'm sure that all of us have seen this, where it can be something as simple as you trying to reposition yourself in the stand, and your stand creaks a little, and all of a sudden they, they tense, the ears perk up, and they're looking for danger. They're assessing what was that, where was it, do I need to run? And so now if if they're on edge, that next odd sound is I'm gone. I'm I'm getting out of here as quick as I can. Where if you if that shot sound is while they're relaxed, now they're going to have that initial tense and assess. Huh? Yeah. And they're essentially going to freeze. 
that's what you want. Yep. <laughs> you know? And so just having the awareness of knowing, okay, this animal that I'm planning to shoot, is it relaxed? Is it tense? Like, what is it doing? How is it acting? Mm-hmm. You have to be able to assess the situation. And that's nine times out of ten, if something jumps the string, it's because it was already prepping to exit. Yep. It was on edge, for sure. And I think... I've noticed this a lot more when I've started shooting 3D and, you know, kind of being being on the course while I'm hearing different arrows and different bows going off is, you know, and what you've got here in your notes, Rob, is lighter, lighter arrows or uh, I guess lighter in comparison to your grains per pound yep. uh, that you're that you're looking at uh, are typically they're first off, they're they're typically louder. Uh, and they have a higher, like a higher pitch. Uh, I think you've got a snappy, a snappier sound on here, which it, it's very not, it's not a woods-ish sound. It's not a sound you hear yeah. in the woods. Uh, where a heavier arrow, uh, uh, even even if it's the same, uh, let, let's just say uh, um, two people are shooting different weight arrows, one's, uh, uh, one's lighter and one's heavier. Uh, typically, your uh, and, and it's it's going the same speed from its, its different draw draw weights on bows, uh, um, to, on two separate bows. The heavier one is typically more quiet, but let's just say it's it's the same decibel rating. Uh, it's typically a deeper, like softer sound, like what you've got here in the notes, that sounds more like a like a wood or a a, a woodsman. It's a, a it's a it's a type less sound, uh, less distracting, less less uh, volatile, yeah, uh, sound. I mean, it's more of a like whoop instead yeah, of like a, a crack, yeah, right. right. And, and that's, that's where it's really noticeable. And I guess the reason that I referenced in the notes to the grains per pound is you could have two people shooting a five hundred grain arrow or a four hundred grain arrow, mm-hmm. and if a 40 pound bow shoots a, a 400 grain arrow. It's going to sound a lot quieter. Quiet. It's going to sound yeah. a lot softer than if I take my 80 pound bow and I shoot it at five grains per pound. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's not necessarily the weight. I mean, the weight is a part of it, but the sound change really ties into the efficiency. And that's right. easiest to, to reference as grains per pound. Yep. Um, but it's, I've played around a little bit with decibel reading with this stuff. And there, it's really odd because when you're standing next to somebody, you would swear that it is substantially quieter. And at least from the testing that I've done, it's there not isn't that there much. isn't much of an yeah. actual decibel change, it's yeah. The but the perception is because of the tone, yeah. And that's what makes the big difference is you change that tone, and now it's it's not as aggressive, yeah. Right. Um, it's and so you combine that with 
shooting at a relaxed animal and you tend to see very little reaction. So something, this is kind of a crude comparison, uh, but I used to, once upon a time, I used to compete in car audio and in uh, basically <laughs> yeah, a, a, yeah, SPL yeah, yeah. or sound, sound pressure level yep. uh, where you basically, they put a, a, a decibel meter in your vehicle and they saw how loud you could get. And if you were a guy that is just going for like raw, raw numbers, you are typically tuned to somewhere between like 70 and 80 Hertz, Mm -hmm. which is like all things considered is still like pretty low. uh, But it's not like, it's not crazy low. Like when you, if you're, if you're listening to anything with like a decent bass track, like, you know, rap or, uh, you know, techno or, you know, house music or whatever, those are typically, uh, if it's a lower hitting note, those are probably around like uh, 25 to 40 Hertz. And, the sound difference or like the perceptive difference between 150 decibels uh, at 40 Hertz versus 150 decibels at 70 Hertz is immense. And the, uh, but I mean, you can feel it. It's actually, it's, it's a very interesting experience because (laughs) you hear, you hear the one at 70 Hertz and you're like, my God, that is loud. Mm. And you hear the one at 40 Hertz and you're like, that's not as loud, but I can't breathe. Uh, So, uh, why is um, my chest moving? (laughs) Right, exactly. So, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, I, I always try and remember that, like, the deeper the sound, just based on how, man, now we need to have someone who specializes in sound come on. Well, uh, it's the, the, the length de- of the the deeper of the, the sound, sound waves. that yeah, yeah, it's the, it's the length of the uh, it's the wavelength that that really determines that. So yeah, but that that's uh, the the felt that you're describing is yeah. when you have the higher the frequency, the tighter it is, but the the less duration you're getting in in the peaks. Yeah when you're looking at a super slow frequency, mm-hmm. you start getting, it's really big waves. Yep. And you're getting elongated periods at that, that tone. Mm-hmm. And you just feel it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's pretty wild. But point being all this about string jump, heavier arrows, especially if you're shooting trad, like, put silencers on there, put a lot of them on there, but big, huge freaking fat ones on there. The speed difference that you're going to lose between a, a, you know, a typical trad bow with like very few vibration dampening sound dampeners on there versus like loading up your string might be like 10 feet per second, which like, I'm not, I'm not one to, I'm not one to really talk because I shoot, I shoot a super curve for speed. Uh, But I also do that to afford the ability to put a shit ton of string silencers on there if oh, I want to, which yeah. they're, they're, not, it, it, those super, well, all, Sam, Sam super curves aren't even that loud, yeah, but yeah. especially in comparison but to other ones. But all you uh, need I mean, is it, a decent, like, puff ball or like, I, I actually like it's just a, a, like four or five inch strip of fur. Yeah, man, I haven't messed with those, but like I, like, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen, like, I've seen mink. Is it mink? Is mink the real big one, or is it popular? I think. Yeah. Uh, beaver. Beaver. Or muskrat. Beaver. Oh, muskrat. Yeah, muskrat. That's what I was, was thinking it. of. Yep. Uh, um, I, yeah, I've seen those. I want to mess with them, but I just I, never have. I have quite a bit. They they work great. I I honestly I can't say that I've noticed a difference between beaver. I I use beaver. 
uh, or yarn. I guess I haven't shot them back to back in a while. Um, I'd have to I'd have to try them both again. But... I can't wait to take Blaine's soundbite saying I I use Beaver. That's gonna be my favorite <laughs> soundbite. I'm so excited. That was a mistake. <laughs> I walked into that one, didn't I? I use Beaver. Um, I really walked into that one, bud. Yeah, I did. Um, but you know, right now I'm using I make my own uh, my own puff balls out of wool. Yeah. Um, my sister-in-law actually and brother actually raise sheep, so um, I get that. There you go. Pretty dang cheap. So. Well, and, and regardless of what you're using, yeah, for for Location. traditional especially, like having some kind of uh, fibrous material like that, yep. yep, that can absorb the remaining Sick vibrations, out. yep, is beneficial. Yep, definitely. For and the other part of it is heavier arrows are going to be more efficient, regardless. Yep. which leaves and... less in the bow. So it kind of it all ties back together, but if you're looking for that edge in the string jump category, quiet things down and then shoot at calm animals. Thicker string helps a lot too. Yeah, it can. Um, you know, a lot of in the trad world, some guys there's there's kind of a it's kind of died off now, but there there was a time where there was a craze over skinny strings like the Yep. Uh, SBD strings that are really? eight hmm. strands Ugh, or six awful. strands. That just feels oh, sounds uncomfortable for my fingers. Yeah. It's not. I sh- I shot my buddy's bow that had one on it. It's not because yeah, I mean your serving size is is normal. Oh, okay. It's it's yeah. it's scary. I'll say that it was very like in my head. It was uncomfortable to shoot it just because it's like this shouldn't be. But you know, I mean, really the the speed difference you gain is. Minimal. I think the clums kind of did a little test on that. I think they came up with like three feet per second versus a a, a thicker string, and it makes a, you know I I like my eighteen strand strings. That just seems to be the happy medium. And I know a lot of guys that go thicker than you know more strands than that twenty two twenty six strands I think up to. Good gracious, that seems yeah. insane. Well, even my simply traditional string, that one is. A lot. I don't want to say that's 22 strand or something or 20 strand. I'm not sure, but it's thick. But it makes it so much quieter. And I mean, I don't know. It the the little bit of speed gain is not worth it in my opinion because it's it's oh, literally I, a I couple feet per second. Completely agree. Completely yeah. agree. All that to say, shoot heavier arrows, quiet your bow down. Yeah, and deer will jump a lot. Uh, they will react a lot less and, and make sure they're calm. And, and one thing I've noticed, and I've thought about this a lot, and I, I, th- I think back to when I shot a compound too, um, the thing about stopping a deer, going back to that, is they're on red alert and they are looking at you. That's one big thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Stopping a deer um, is a bad idea. Stopping an elk, bad. on the other hand, you'd better do it. Yeah, well, exactly. and that's a different you better be at full game, draw though. For I mean, an elk. Well, yeah, that's the other thing is that an elk you don't can't stop react an elk nearly on... as fast as a whitetail to begin with. They're big. I mean, they can, but they're not going to move as far, most yeah. likely. And they're most likely target. when you stop an elk, like that's when they just kind of like where a deer, like if you get your shot right, like they hear that noise and they pause. But with an elk, usually as long as you did everything right when you stop them, that's their pause. They're like, huh? Right. What happened? 
Yeah, swag. they're not as they're not as high. St- I've never hunted elk, but I assume they're not as high strung as a whitetail. No, not, not nearly as bad. Yeah, if like and if then, your wind's wrong or whatever, and they they will whirl, or if they see something they don't like, like if you're oh, not yeah. at full draw when you decide to stop them because you're right. dumb, yeah, they're gone. But yep, yep, for sure. Or and, if you're you know, in the sunlight or whatever, and they just pick you off. But yeah, you know the the looking at you thing, or it's such a big thing. I think for especially shooting a stick bow, just because you are that much slower. I, well, and you're typically closer. Yeah, and you're typically closer, too, for sure. And, you know, just making sure they're not focused on you is is the biggest thing, in my in my opinion. And then, and then arrow, you know, noise is a close second to that. But if they're feeding head down or looking away from you or walking slow or something, that's that's when you need yep. to. Let her rip, tater chip. Yep. yep. Not, not, like, it drives me nuts. You know, and really, it's it's been we've kind of shot ourselves in the foot that way as as a hunting industry, because that's what everybody has seen it on every single hunting show. Man, stop a deer! <laughs> yep, classic, oh, right? And they it kills deer me. whips its head up and tenses up, and it's just nine. Nine point yeah. nine times. Hit them high. Ago. Don't know what happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I can you tell you what happened. You dumb shit. Hey, but don't worry. Without the cameras, the dogs found it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Or you found it two three weeks days later. later. Yeah. yeah. Why is he in different clothes? Yeah. And why is this? <laughs> why is that deer, deer all bloated? <laughs> <laughs> so, why are they only showing the neck? <laughs> the rack. Yeah. So, on. I guess on the topic of shooting heavier arrows with reducing the the tone of the shot, um, how often have you guys heard the you don't want to go too heavy for the bow or that's too heavy of an arrow for, you know, you, you need to find the sweet spot? Mm-hmm. I just saw, yeah. All the time. I just saw somebody say, told they told somebody that was shooting like 550 or something like oh you got too much air like no they don't and then i asked you know, if the you person's know. comfortable with it right then, well i asked then it's but the person commenting fine. it was on facebook they said yeah they're yeah. like oh you have too much arrow and i was like well how how is that too much arrow it's like well there's a point of diminishing returns it's like no there's not no if there is not at hunting distances you haven't reached it yet yeah i mean they're or hunting weight yeah so i or, guess from a technical for, standpoint, like, for a trajectory purpose, sure, there is a point of diminishing returns for the shooter, yeah. but that's it. So, from a technical standpoint, there is a point of diminishing returns in regards to uh, a slower rate of gain, and right. that's at some point it's going to just simply plateau. Yeah. Um, but functionally where as heavy as most people will ever shoot um i mean like when i did the test with my wife's bow it was 42 pounds 26 inch draw and there was very rapid gains up to i'd have to look at the data again but up to somewhere right around like 12 grains per pound and then from 12 to 23 where i stopped the test the it continued gaining the entire way 
but at a slower rate. Mm-hmm. Now, you could say that that 12 grain per pound is that point of diminishing returns where that's the best bang for your buck, right? But you're still gaining. And momentum was actually still gaining fairly consistently. Uh, just your, your KE was gaining at, at a slower rate. Right. Um, and really quick, I, I just want to point out that 12 grains per pound on a 70-pound bow is 840 grains. Yeah, yeah. So I, and that's for where, our, typical, our typical compound guy, 840 grains is where it will begin to taper off. And, uh, and, it, and it's still gaining. So it's just not gaining as fast As anymore. fast, right. yeah. That exactly. just goes you know, to say that that whole everybody usually says somewhere like, well, somewhere between 450 and 500 is that perfect mark. It's like for what? Yeah. What what is what makes that perfect for your that's where you like to be speed wise? Sure, maybe yeah, that's exactly. personal preference, but yep. That is not from a physics standpoint, that is not how that works. Well, and that's as far as sweet spot goes, it's personal preference. It's okay, what speed are you comfortable at? What trajectory are you comfortable with? Yep. Right. That's right. your personal sweet spot. Exactly. Right. And that might be dependent on the animal that might be dependent on, you know, a lot of things. Yeah. But could be the animal could be the range that you're probably going to shoot at. Like for me, I have, I like to be closer to that 265 mark because I know I'm going to shoot farther and I don't want to like, that's just where I like to be. Yeah. Yeah. But my arrow is still, heavier than 98% of people's out there for compound guys, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I literally just had this discussion today with, uh, Drew Kohlhofer over at Selway Archery. Selway. Yep. Um, I was talking to him today and he's like, just, you know, chatting and stuff about bows and whatever. And, um, he's like, started talking about arrows a little bit and he was wondering what I was running this year and stuff. And he's going to run a really similar setup, but, um, like he always has but um and he he just mentioned you know i like that 550 grain range i like you know 190 feet per second out of his out of his 55 Mm -hmm. or something pound longbow and i mean that's just and then i i commented back you know i like my 630 to 660 grains that's moving pretty good for uh yeah at 10 grains per pound basically centaur uh the the uh, triple carbon elite. Triple so. carbon, yeah, yeah. That thing's stupid fast for yeah, a long though. They throw an arrow. I want to try one. Yeah, yeah. I, I want a centaur triple carbon so in a in a bad too. way. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, they're quick, and uh, so I just, yeah, I mean, exactly. You know, it's personal preference. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So I guess te- technically, have we have we introduced? Sorry to sorry to interrupt. Wayne, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, w- I was done. So. Uh. <laughs> Now I feel like a dickhead. Uh, <laughs> so did we technically hit the last myth that we've got in our our little uh, schedule for tonight? We kind of, we like we've danced around it, but I guess we didn't actually call it out. Um, the last myth that we're going to touch on for this episode is speed calculators, and a lot of these guys that say you know that four hundred to fifty, five hundred, five hundred fifty grain range somewhere in there. Normally it's 450 to 500 from what I've seen and what people say is the, you know, is the magic area where you maximize your kinetic energy and momentum potential 
are using speed calculators and what the speed calculators don't take into uh, um, account. Uh, uh, yeah. Take into account. There we go. Thank you. Uh, is the efficiency of the bow and how you continue to, uh, to gain efficiency as your weight goes up uh, in your arrow comparatively to grains per pound. Uh, so, well, and that's one for, thing just to interrupt for a second. I want to clarify because it has been misrepresented in a couple of different areas by some, I'll say, better known uh, archers. Um, when efficiency goes up, it will take more weight to cause a foot per second change. Yep. That means that the bow is getting more efficient where it's you're gaining more mass before you lose the same amount of speed. That has been misstated recently in a number of places. And I just wanted to kind of clarify that because that's kind of the linchpin of, of this, of this this, part of the discussion. Yeah. So go ahead, continue. Well, no, it's, I mean, it's really, I was going to, I was going to let you tee it off because oh, you're, yeah. your, your RX three is a really good example. Uh, and, and the arrows that you're shooting. Yeah. I, I always, I always forget this number. Uh, I, we've probably mentioned it on here before, but your, you have two arrows. Aren't there eight fifty and nine thirty five? Uh, so like that? that was that last right? year. Yeah. So that okay. was the RX one. Um, oh, okay. Okay. And so that was eight fifty and or like eight fifty six and nine fifty three. Okay. Like it was that. basically a hundred nearly a hundred grain jump. Yeah. And yeah, that was five feet per second. Yeah. Um now yeah I'm I wish I wish the viewers the listeners could could see Blaine's face. <laughs> <just happened. laughs> um I holy heck yes. Oh yeah no that's I that's and unreal. I did not trust it when I first saw it. Um, right. I ended up crazy. testing, I guess, checking it with three different uh, chronograph systems. And it ranged from uh, like four to seven, depending on which system I was using for feet per yeah. second change. Um, but And if you were to do that with, what's, let's say, it was an 80-pound bow, right? Yes, that was 80-30. So just for reference sake, let me pull this up quick if uh... i would guess yeah you you've, i'm sure you've got your your stats still written down i would guess if anyone else wants to take a stab at it your speed loss between like four to five hundred or 450 to 550 was probably closer to 12 to 15 feet per second i would guess oh, I, i'd have to look that that up oh well, fine 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 I don't. I thought that's where you're looking up. No, uh. <laughs> no. I was I was looking up to see what the calculator was going to say for what what the. Oh speed yeah, be. no, no. Do, do that, do that, do that, do that. Yeah, no. Absolutely, you should do that. Uh, yeah, but point being, these you'll put it. You'll put your speed into these calculators, and it'll say, oh, you know, you're going to get eighty feet per second when really Rob was getting like, you know. Uh, I think you were still at 210, 220 on that, something like that. Oh, uh, with, with the nine, the nine fifty. With the nine, nine fifty, yeah. 230. Two thirty. Two twenty eight <laughs> to two thirty. Good night. 
that must be nice. That's, that's I mean, and that's yes. about the same thing that I'm getting out of my RX three right now. Which right, right now I haven't uh, swapped over to my hog wires yet. I still got the factory strings on it, and mm-hmm. in spec. Um, right now I'm I'm a little light on poundage, but everything is yep. pretty much on spec. So like mm-hmm. that RX one was actually at eighty one pounds. Um, this one is at 79, um, and my current arrows, um, which I've got, uh, a set, I guess I built a couple of different sets that are all pretty close, close enough for hunting inside of like 25 yards without changing anything. Um, Mm -hmm. but the... 930 grain arrow that I have I ran through my uh my chrono and it was at 229 That's so it's still right in the same ballpark um so, but if I put this into a standard arrow speed calculator um that 950 grain arrow according to this should be traveling at 150 and you were getting 230 yeah hmm. so uh that's yeah cool. that, that's uh super accurate right yeah. yeah so i will uh limb driven tv isaac and uh his guys over there did a did a good video on this and i think they're i think he said they're gonna do like an updated one too uh but i'll be sure to include that in the show notes uh so you guys can take a peek at that and i think they shoot from uh 350 up to up to about a thousand grains something like that I have a 70 pound. I know it was a 70 pound nitrum. Uh, I, I remember that, but uh, the heavier got heavier, you got the more completely out of whack the uh, calculator gets. And I know it starts to, it starts to get out of whack somewhere around 450 to 500 grains, yeah, it, so, which is, you know, when people are like, this is the peak, you know, it's the peak area yeah. when that's when the calculator starts to not work as well. Yeah. So I would have thought it would have been a the, higher arrow weight than that. No, it's actually not. Um, huh. So the calculators, for the most part, are working off the principle of three grains per foot per second. And that mm-hmm. holds mm-hmm. very true for most bows near five grains per pound. Yeah, five um, to six. Yeah, somewhere in there. Once you get above six grains per pound, then um, things start gaining efficiency. And you're slowly going to start getting further and further away from that calculated value. Um, For the most part, um, I guess I don't have any numbers written down for this, but from like five grains per pound up to, say, like six, six and a half it's going to be semi accurate probably you know i mean the closer you get to that six and a half you're going to be getting more questionable um yeah once you get over seven now you're going to start seeing some gaps if you get up into the eight nine ten range it's not even working for you um but what you can do is if you have a verified speed, so a known arrow weight and a verified mm-hmm. speed, 
then you can use that to get a known kinetic energy value. Mm -hmm. And the, the cool thing is that because what's happening is your bow is becoming more efficient. Um, so it's going to be slowly gaining kinetic energy as the arrow weight goes up. You can take that known kinetic energy value and use it to create a, uh, a baseline, a minimum for other arrow weights. Um, so if you know that you're at say 70 foot pounds, uh, with a 400 grain arrow, then you can, it takes a little bit of rearranging of the, uh, of the equation, but essentially you do the square root of the known KE times your constant of, uh, 450,240 divided by the desired arrow weight and you'll get a minimum speed value um, for whatever that arrow weight was. And that's going to be a lot closer. It's not going to be perfect because, you know, a little bit of efficiency gain could translate to a handful of feet per second. But it's going right. to be a lot closer than that calculator. Right. And I would like to point out that it was, it's been some time ago, uh, Rob did a, a small test with his wife. So you built that whole thing off your wife's bow, right? Yeah. Yeah. The whole, okay. And that's, I did uh, that because I wanted to actually be able to get to like 20 grains per pound. Sure. Like, sure. It, yeah, like you mentioned yeah. before, trying to get to those numbers while maintaining clean flight, um, is challenging with a sure. heavy bow because yeah, oh, you're absolutely. like double shafting and all sorts of crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, but uh, point being, uh, Rob built a, uh, a calculator more or less that is way more accurate uh, that uh, we are going to work on. Oh, that's what you're uh, talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're going to work on getting a, a web-based version on, uh, on Rob's website as well, as well as our website. And it, well, our website will probably redirect you over to Rob's website cause he made it. Uh, but, um, it's, it's definitely a lot closer. And if anyone is curious about what their actual speeds might be, uh, uh you know, aside from using the, uh, formula that Rob tossed in there. Uh, feel free to message us and I can, uh, I know that we're still working out or working out some kinks with it, but we can get you close, uh, as far as what you can expect. And and there's some other stuff. There's some other, uh, tests that we're kind of working on to, uh, give people, um, speeds for heavier arrows. Cause I know there's, uh, you can have two bows that are identical IBOs. And when you start stacking weight, depending on that, on that cam style and the draw force curve, some of these bows do way better with heavier arrows. So yeah. a 650 grain arrow out of one bow that's 350 IBO and another bow that's 350 IBO could be completely different. They could be 10 to 15 feet per second difference. In, in extreme uh, cases. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of these guys are like, oh, I don't want to shoot that heavy because I'm going to be, you know, way, way slower than I than I want to be. Uh, you're, you would be surprised. And a lot of yeah. these guys are basing these off these calculators. Oh, I don't want to shoot over 600 grains because I'll be at 200 feet per second. Well, maybe if you're like me and have T-Rex arms, uh, uh, but if you, if you shoot respectable weight and, uh, you have respectable draw, draw weight and have a decent draw length, uh, it's not, it's not difficult to get a 600 grain arrow, uh, over, 
250 feet per second. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's really not. Just as a ballpark, I mean, if you're shooting 60 to 65 pounds and you've got a 28 to a 29 inch draw, you can probably, I guess, assuming a bow made in the last four or five years, maybe, you know, something north of 330 mm-hmm. feet per second. Right. Um, then you can probably assume that like at a 600 to 650 grain arrow, you'll be north of 235, 240. Um, That's, you know, not a guarantee, but just in a high level, 30,000 feet, it's probably going to end up somewhere above, above that. Yep. Which my go-to speed is 230, 235. So, it's definitely manageable. Um, I mean, I shoot my 930, 950 grain arrows out to 80, 90 yards with my single pin still. So Not possible. Not possible. <sighs> I know. Just <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll be getting some videos at TAC for you this weekend. So Oh, man. I'm so excited. I, I'm, I'm going to try and take the truck shot with uh, a 950 grain arrow. Oh. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> uh. The first shot of that shoot that I did, the competition. Yeah. Yeah. Where, uh, what, what was it? The, the mount, mountain, Northwest mountain, mountain challenge. challenge. Yeah. Uh, the first shot was 118 yard caribou. Nice. That's I hit it in the front leg, but it counts because it. it was foam. <laughs> five for foam. It counts for a five. Yeah. But, see. uh, I was shooting with all the open guys and they were all like using their phones and their apps and shit and trying to calculate like they're like, oh, I only have marks to 113 and I'm over here like, I only have marks to 96. (laughs) (laughs) Still going to send it. Send send it. it. (laughs) But yeah, I had used my bubble on the antler of it. Yeah. Like top of, or yeah, top of my bubble on the antler and I still hit it in the knee, but that could have been me like collapsing or something or whatever. But yeah. 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 Well, that's a, it can be tough. A a half inch point of impact change at 20 yards is probably two foot at 120 yards. So yeah, that's, it gets exponential for sure. Depends still, on shot still, angle too. Yeah, yeah. Still oh, damn good shot know. though, man. That's yeah. a yeah. It's a poke. It's way out there. Most like the majority of the shots were like 70 ish, yeah. and they were like hard. It was either seventy or like side hill, forty yard shots on small targets. Yep. Mm-hmm. They had the am... the they had the Reinhardt mini elk. Yeah. Yeah. The the third third scale yeah and they had that at that was like 73 yards across a little drainage that was a poke yeah that's like a i mean that's smaller than that that target smaller than a whitetail target yeah oh yeah it's like the size of like a very small whitetail doe like a tiny tiny whitetail doe yeah yeah Uh, i am excited for tack this weekend that'll be fun yeah where is that one at uh, the one that we go to is uh, Boyne, uh, Boyne Mountain, Michigan. Oh, okay. So it's uh, up near the tip of Lower Michigan. Nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, speaking yeah. like that shot you just mentioned last year, probably the most challenging shot that we had 
was like a hundred and like two or like a hundred and five yard on a white tail mm-hmm. that was uphill. Like you're kind of standing kind of at an angle shooting uphill at maybe like a 25 degree angle. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the, that white tail just looked really small. Right. <laughs> like <laughs> a Buffalo the... at one thirty felt more comfortable Right. Then that out white the tail ones, at like 105. I'd say the two hardest ones that we had were there was a, a it was either a white it was a white tail target, but I don't remember if it was a doe or a buck. But white tail target at like 72, <clears throat> but it was in the shade and you were shooting from direct sunlight. Yeah. That was rough. Like you could not <laughs> like the I was shooting with an open group and like all these dudes have scopes and everything and they could not find it. Like they're like, I can't like a few of them had to let down three or four times because they'd get back. They'd get drawn and they'd be like, where the hell is this target? And that's they could why not find it. Guys carry umbrellas. They had one, too. They had a they had an umbrella. Yeah, they just couldn't get it. They couldn't find it. <laughs> <laughs> Silly boys. Yep. I remember I remember Dudley a long. It's probably been two or three years ago. Talked about I think it was a wolf target that was painted like a coyote. Mm-hmm. and so he completely uh, and because i'm not it's super into 3d like uh, now i'm starting to see like oh yeah i can see how he messed the shot up mm-hmm. he you know, he took this he it was painted well no or was it the other way i don't know i'm already butchering the story i'm so sorry uh so but point being there was one target that was painted like another target and because he was like oh i know this target it, like at this size means it's at this distance he must have been shooting unknown yardage mm-hmm. And so we shot it and then he hit like either way low or way high. I can't remember which one, but it was because he thought it was a different target than what it was. So he miscalculated the distance by like 10 or 15 yards, Uh, which to me in my head, I'm just like, I don't not saying I would never miscalculate distance by 10, 15 yards. I'm I'm sure that I will. Uh, But like in my head, I'm just like, man, I don't know how you would do that. Cause I I just, I I would misjudging. Like I couldn't see misjudging a wolf target painted like a t- coyote. I could definitely see misjudging a coyote target painted like a wolf. Maybe that was it. If it was yeah. like, because if it's closer or farther, like either way, like you're like, oh, that's wolf. I know this. I know the ten ring is this big, or right. whatever, and it's yeah. in this exact spot. I, I think it was more of a they're they're similar <clears throat> shaped targets, right? Yes, just yeah. sized differently. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And exactly. so yeah. thinking that it was further or closer because of the appearance of the size. Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's exactly what happened. That's why but... that little elk is kind of deceiving, too, because you don't realize <laughs> that, like, if you've never seen that thing before, like, yeah. in person, you don't you're realize like, oh how small God, it is. This is so far yeah. away. Yeah. You, yeah. Or you walk yeah, up exactly. to it, you're like, this that's, is that's that's so small. Think. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's tiny. Like it probably it barely comes up with the antlers. It probably comes up to my chest. Like and I'm uh, no. I'm not See, I'm not I'm not a tall person. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're yeah, not that short. Not. <laughs> <laughs> right, so. It's probably not that big of a difference. <laughs> yeah. So anything I, else that, been... uh, that you guys got? Uh, I don't think so. I know we've already drug it out to an hour and a half. So uh, uh, no, I, I think that's about all we got. At least for this first round. Uh, I'm sure we'll we'll have we'll have more. We'll, we've already got a couple more yeah. kind of. Uh, in the on the back burner, so we'll we'll cover those soon. But I think these are uh, pretty big ones that people see all the time. So yeah, anything else from from you guys? No, that's uh, I guess I would say we know that we're going to be doing another one of these. And so if you've got uh, 
a myth that you see all the time or you want us to address, let us know. You know yep, absolutely. Uh, whether it's on the Lethal page or my page, that's both will uh, get to the same place. Yep. So. Yeah, absolutely. It all ends up in our group chat. So. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Just get it. Get it to us in one way or another, and we'll we'll talk about it. Um. Yeah. While you're doing that, be sure to give us a review, like the Facebook page, all that fun stuff. Review. Give us a review on the Facebook page as well, and on your favorite listening platform of choice. And maybe another one. If you listen to it on other ones, just do whatever you want, I guess. We and could, uh, come up with a. Now that we're talking about reviews, we should come up with some sort of a giveaway once we hit a certain number of reviews. Yeah, that'd be. We could probably do that. We could probably yeah. figure something out. Let's some get some. some yeah. Things. Yeah. We've. Uh, I've made friends in high places <laughs> because of this podcast. I'm kind of a big deal now. <laughs> so, uh, you know, not really. Uh, really, I've, this entire experience has been incredibly humbling because it's like there's no way i get to talk to this person and then we get to talk to that person so oh yeah that's pretty neat cool. but yeah uh yeah most definitely we uh but point yes i completely agree let's do a giveaway soon so uh yeah keep listening let's do that <laughs> I, yeah i'm in listening and then we will let you know yeah well i know i know one person i won't say who it is yet but i know one person already uh reached out to us and said they want to do a giveaway uh before deer season mm-hmm. which is like next month uh, so that will be happening soon. So keep your eyes and ears out and, uh, I'm sure we'll have more in addition to that one. Actually, there's two, I know there's two people, so just kidding. Probably in the next like month or so, we'll have two giveaways. So definitely pay attention. And, uh, if you give us a review now, I will qualify it. Uh, as long as you can give us the date and we can, I can, uh, verify when it came in on the uh, on the listening app of choice and we'll just enter you in that giveaway so like subscribe hang out give us a good review and stay lethal don't forget the olive oil